Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of Meaningful Conversations and convener of community. As we continue to grow, the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. So how are you? Well, I'm okay. Um, Yeah, I'm all right. There was um, kind of a it was kind of funny because the timing of this little to-do on on one of the, the Facebook forums was, you know, it had everything to do with non-responder group. And I'm like, hmm, you know, that's interesting. I'm going to talk to Jen tomorrow. <laughs> I've seen some of that chatter online. And so I'll just start by introducing you and saying thank you so much, Tammy, for joining us and sharing your story on the podcast. It's going to be uh, great to learn more from you and hopefully be an educational journey for our listeners. I hope so. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you went to Russia for HSCT in 2013. Golly. So what was that like back then? I mean, we didn't, have, <laughs> we didn't have social media to the point that it is now. Right. So six Not years ago, really. how, did <laughs> right, you even, exactly. how did you even find out about it? Well, what was interesting, cause of my, my, you know, MS journey started, you know, I guess, pre, you know, before MS. So I was initially diagnosed with sarcoidosis, which is a autoimmune disease as well. That is forms granulomas in the any tissue. So some people just only have it on their skin. Some people have it in their, their lungs and in their heart, which can get really, really dangerous. Um, Indeed. If you remember Bernie Mac, Bernie Mac was an actor that passed away from complications with sarcoidosis. Okay. Um, so um, it, it's been, it's a disease that's been around, but it's not that well known. And of course sure. it wasn't well known to me. Um, but I was initially diagnosed with that in 2007. I had to actually have a splenectomy to get the diagnosis. Oh um, my goodness. So yeah, so my immune system then was a little bit compromised from having the splenectomy, which, um, so, and then after that, after I had that surgery, then, you know, the dry cough kind of when, I guess I went into remission on its own, um, which it does that. Um, and then in 2000 and um, between 2008 and 2009, I was developing, you know, some kind of like my hands would always be cold and I'd wear gloves in the house and my back would just feel so tight. And I'd have my husband squeeze me really, really hard. Um, but I was still running because I had been a, a runner late in life. Um, and I had done three half marathons and did hood to coast, um, which is Mount hood to the beach, um, run three times, um, and it's it's a relay race, but um, that's anyway, still, so that's amazing. <laughs> no, it's not easy. But I was I was finally active. I wasn't I wasn't an active person growing up. Um, so it was great to find an outlet and a community of people that I really belonged to, mm. um, and we could talk about all this great sure. stuff with running, and it was super fun. Um, but so anyway, so yeah, I um, I I could tell my right leg was slapping the ground rather than rolling off the ground. I and know that feeling. You know the feeling. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> then it's like, okay, well, after three miles, I walk like Frankenstein and I don't know why. Um, maybe I need to train harder. 
Well, after a little while, my, my, you know, the constant feeling of my feet buzzing and, um, I just noticed that I was making a lot of mistakes with my, um, at my job. And, um, so I was working out in the gym and I could tell that my right leg was so much smaller than my left leg. I'm like, what in the hell? Something's not right. So I went to the doctor and sure enough, get going to the neurology and blah, blah, blah. So in 2010, I'm diagnosed with MS. And your symptoms Um, started when you said like 2007, 8-ish? Well, 2007 is when I had my splenectomy. Right. And And so there's, yeah. But you looking back, you're like, hmm. Right. When did it all start? You know, so in 2010, I get diagnosed with that. And my um, neurologist neurologist at the time um, said, let's just try Copaxone for a year. It's one of the most benign, you know, less side effect drugs on the market. So we'll just do that. So I did that daily injections and nothing. Um, I was actually declining more. And mm-hmm. so she's like, well, based on your history, I would really say that you you have primary progressive MS. And I'm like shocked. And I I I couldn't, I I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And then sure. I said, of course you rush home and you get on the internet <laughs> and you're like, um, and so my, um, I stumbled across, um, George Goss's, um, HSCTV blog about his experience in Germany. And so from there, I, they, um, George Goss and um, Carmel Turner had a Facebook page about HSCT. So that's where I really felt like, oh my goodness, this may be the answer. And so quickly I, you know, wrote to Russia, to, um, Germany, and they turned me down because I have primary progressive, um, which they denied. And so um, around that time is when um, two women, um, Amy Peterson and, um, Car- or, and uh, Phoebe Scopes, um, Amy's from Texas and Phoebe's from um, England, and they both are going to Russia. And um, Phoebe, to my understanding, if I'm remembering right, had um, a primary progressive. And so I followed their blogs or Facebook posts, and um, I just told my husband, if they come home alive, I'm going. Sure. And so I was just amazed at their experience, and I quickly called um, Dr. Federico um, and actually spoke with him on the phone. And, you know, at that time, we didn't have uh, um, Anastasia, which is their patient care coordinator. Mm -hmm. She's phenomenal but at that time there was nobody there to do that and so sure. the navigating of trying to get a I, I never thought I would go to Russia um right and and the fundraising and all that fun stuff um happened and um so yeah so I went in 2013 and it's kind of ironic because it was April 1st when I was you know so sometimes I look back because I kind of have a weird sense of humor and I just think hmm <laughs> April Fool's Day and I should have probably got it on the second <laughs> you just don't know what the universe no. is trying to tell <laughs> you right or mm-hmm. or what is lining up for you and the lessons to be learned mm-hmm. so exactly. it was challenging from the start it sounds like in terms of well, just arranging everything yeah yeah but my my treatment went seamless it was, I, I met Brooke um, Slick and Jeff Root and his wonderful wife, Johanna, who helped because my husband um, could only be there for a week and then he had to come home to take care of our kids. Mm, that's so, tough too. Um, yeah. So Johanna was kind of my surrogate husband. <laughs> she was, she was wonderful to have as a resource sure. outside of the, 
hospital because Dr. Frederico kept me inside. A lot of people, um, especially now, seem to get to go outside. But because of my sarcoidosis in my lungs and having no spleen, um, he's he was, I think, just kind of being very, very cautious, which I totally appreciate. Um, and so I didn't get to go outside. That's always been a piece of the Russia protocol that I've wondered about. Fresh air yeah. is a great thing for you, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it sounds like he was extra cautious intentionally, and that's a good thing. And so, yeah, probably yes. case by case basis. Yep, exactly. So that was that was great. So what was your most memorable experience being there? Um, boy, I guess, I mean, just the, the, the conversations that, that Jeff and I would have together, um, having Brooke, cause Brooke was about, so Jeff was a week ahead of me in treatment and Brooke, I think was a week behind me. And so, you know, Jeff would tell me things and then I would tell Brooke things and we just became so close, mm. um, you know, about our treatment. Um, <laughs> one of the most memorable things is because Jeff would always tell me what they were doing testing wise. You know, oh, yeah. Okay. This is probably when you're going to, you know, you're going to have your, you know, x-ray for your lungs. This is when you're going to have your MRI. Well, one day I was going in for testing and they had to do a transvaginal ultrasound which Jeff didn't tell me about. (laughs) So when I, when I came back to my room and I quickly got on my, you know, instant messenger, that's how we were talking at the time because his room was a couple doors down. I said, Jeff, you didn't tell me about the transvaginal (laughs) ultrasound. He said, I didn't know they were going to do that. (laughs) Oh, that was, that was pretty classic. I don't have that body part. (laughs) Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was fun. And having popcorn with Brooke and just, it was unreal. You know, we're sitting in a room, she's up in my room chatting before I go into isolation and we're having a bag of popcorn. It was, it was great. Sometimes just the simple connections that you make with people. And Brooke is phenomenal. Yes. (laughs) So I'm curious about, well, I'm curious to know why it was important for you to participate in the podcast. Well, mainly because I think a lot of people that don't respond or have relapsed um, from HSET, it's a very isolating uh, feeling. And initially when you find out, and and here you are, you're someone that has a team of people that you went to treatment with, and they're doing great, which you're so happy for, but you're not. Mm. And then you lose that connection. It's almost like threads get kind of cut. And, and a lot of us, not everybody, but a lot of us kind of just I don't, some of us do retreat. We just retreat into, okay, head down again, back in the trenches, got to find something that's going to work. Got to find something that's going to keep me from, you know, not being able to swallow and not being able to go to the bathroom um, by myself. And you know what I'm saying? So you find yourself. And so that's mainly why I just, and there's a lot of like almost mystery now surrounded by um, the non-responder people. It's a support group. And that's the main thing I really wanted to share was just that we're not a group of people that are backstabbing everybody on other forums no. or we're not, <laughs> we're not, you know, we are people that are trying to lift up each other. Um, but it's a safe place to be supported and to be able to say, okay, you know, gosh, I, you know, I fell four times this week. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, what does anyone else, what is anyone else doing? And, you know, what, 
just I don't know. It's it's it is it is a support group, and it's a place where where you can be, and no one is going to say, "Well, have you tried HSCT?" Right. <laughs> and you're like, really? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. And it's not in. A, I, I hate to be in a flip way, but no. sometimes it does get to be um, very tiring to be on some of the other forums, and and um, you know, you feel like an odd duck, you know, out of fish out of water. I guess. I bet. Yeah, well, and one of the or intentions of this podcast is to move the conversation beyond social media. Mm-hmm. Facebook is not the answer. Yeah, it's a great place for people to find connection and and even support one another. But there is a lot of drama and a lot of mm-hmm. misinterpretation and misconstrued communication because it's hard to interpret the emotion behind exactly right um, mm-hmm. it's so hard to interpret that emotional factor behind our words yep exactly and that's one of the reasons why having listening to podcasts and being able to gather resources and, and information but like you say you can listen to that that same podcast over and over and over and over again if you want to but that the, the person that's speaking isn't going to be adding more to it and the person that's reading it isn't needing to continually, ex, you know, expand on the conversation, which does happen on Facebook. Things get blown up and just out of proportion. So, so quickly. Yeah. So thank you for taking time to share your story and your experience as a non-responder. I'm just so curious. Like you mentioned, I think you had a few good years, right? Post HSCT mm-hmm. where you felt mm-hmm. great and felt some relief of symptoms. And so what was that like? Well, I had three, um, oh my goodness. Uh, so I, when I came back and I recovered, it took me about three months, um, because my, my EDSS level was pretty low. It was about a three on a, on a really bad day. Um, and so when I came back and recovered, I, I was actually able to run again and I, I could run about three miles, which was paid hey, better than that's amazing. Yeah, walking a half a mile and then needing a cane. Um, but um, so, yeah, I was it was wonderful. I was the, the cloud of MS wasn't over me and I could just think about, you know, hey, where are we going to go on vacation? And hey, my, my son's going to graduate high school and, you know, my daughter's going to go to college and all this, um, you know, all those mile markers that didn't have MS dragging me down. Um, and so after that, I, um, so in 2016, I could tell that I wasn't able to walk as far without my leg, you know, kind of having symptoms and, and it was kind of odd. Well, in the summer of 2016, the MS hug returned with a vengeance. And so I, I, I knew something wasn't right in my gut. And of course, you know, you think back and you're like, oh, hey, is this a new symptom? Is this an old system, a symptom? Is this something that right. uh, maybe I'm just tired? Maybe I'm just kind of getting, getting sick, which I don't get sick hardly ever. So I, um, anyway, so I, I called my doctor and she said, let's just do a, a CD19 blood test, which is like a, um, and I always forget if it's CD19 or CD20. Some people have called it different things, but anyway, it's a blood marker for your B cells to see if it's elevated and it was elevated. And so she said, let's do an MRI. So I do an MRI and of course I have a new lesion. Mm. So of course, this is the neurologist that did not want me to go to Russia in the first place. 
And when I came back from Russia, the first thing she says is, so you lost all your hair. So of course she was, I think was a little bit gleeful Mm. that I had, you know, relapsed oh, and I hope not. So, oh my gosh I hope not wow well that's just the kind of person that she that she at the time was and, and so energy, I decided yeah. the energy yeah. you were picking up from that. yes oh, I'm so sorry that's, that's well you know what I I took that and I empowered myself and I fired her and I went on the search for I was interviewing neurologists Good and I you. took the reins <laughs> so I was the one interviewing them I came into their appointments and I asked them questions and I said, thank you. I'll think about it. And I left. Good for you. So <laughs> I just thought, you know what? Screw this. I'm just, this is my life. And, and yes. yeah, knowledgeable. And it's, this is not in any way bashing neurologists because for many of them, for many of us without them, we couldn't get the drugs that we get. We couldn't move forward in our treatment. So this isn't about that. It's just more about me taking control of myself. Wonderful. Um, so I found a wonderful, I found two wonderful neurologists, but I picked one that was near me, um, where I live. And so we, um, yeah, so basically the course of action was, you know, and I, de- I definitely called Dr. Federico and asked him, what in the world can I do? And initially he said, Hey, rituxan infusions. And he gave me the dosage and I took that to my neurologist and said, this is the dosage that I re- would really like to do. Um, so there's anyway, so there, um, I, I got on that dosage and was able to, um, finally get, um, after a time of struggle with insurance. And, um, so there was a lag in, in how quickly I could get on the rituxan. Oh, I'm sorry, but that's okay. Um, but I got on it and I've been on it now for nearly, um, about three years now, every six months I do rituxan infusions. Um, and they do seem to be holding Holding the, the, the slide um, pretty well. My last six months ago uh, check, I my walking time was slower. Uh, my right leg is weaker. And, um, you know, I symptomatically, you know, the bladder, um, bladder urgency is there again. Um, the sorry. cognitive. I have mm, that. And that is, that is miserable. It is because you try to plan your outings with friends and you're thinking, okay, where the heck is the bathroom? Yes. That's the first thing. Constantly. Yeah. And then like, at least for me, I would have that urgency and then get into the bathroom and then nothing would happen. (sighs) And it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) why are my nerves doing this to me? There's nothing in my bladder. I was just here 45 (laughs) minutes ago. I don't have to go, but why is my brain tricking me into thinking that I need to be here. I know. That was frustrating. Yes. I'm sorry that's back for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, me too. And so of course, you know, we're, we're still talking. My doctor and I are still talking about options and I'm definitely still keeping Dr. Um, Dr. F in the loop. Um, And yeah, so we are, and the technology of, of medicine and how things are are changing, um, you know, the stem cell, world and the the things that are on the horizon they do they do have me hopeful um i wish they would really hurry up um but a second hsct treatment is is on the table um but for me right now i feel like um you know i I am going to be starting to work with the functional medicine um um, specialist which anna crumb um she's um 
been on the podcast. And so it's wonderful to be able to try to talk about um, um, different options to set my body up to succeed. Yes. Yes. Functional medicine should hopefully the integration and doctors communicating well with one another about their plans for treatment Mm -hmm. is going to be very beneficial for you. So really, you've just been on Cytoxin every six months since you realized those levels were elevated. I hadn't been on anything. After after my HSCT, I wasn't using any medication at all for for three years. So that's once you found those elevated levels in the new lesion, that's when you started this, the rituxan. Yeah. And you've just been doing that every six months. Yes. Since finding those elevated levels. And so there's not been any other medication or treatment that you've tried. No, no. And I think mainly because of having the primary progressive MS, I'm very limited in the United States of what I can, what they will give you. Um, if the FDA has, has not approved it for um, for PPMS, then you can't take it. Right. So that's kind of where the, for some people, Ocrevus, their doctors will, or their insurance will cover it. Uh, but for many, Rituxan seems to be the cheaper of the medications. So insurance is still utilizing that. And so you're noticing some new symptoms despite the Rituxan. Mm-hmm. And continuing that what you believe to be progression. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. But I know. I mean, but you're saying a second HSCT is on the table in terms of consideration. It is. It is. And my, and my doctor here's where there, he's well aware of it. He does talk to Dr. F. Um, and, and, and Dr. F has said, Hey, you know, if you need to come back, this, this could be an option for you. Um, and for me right now, I, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot to consider. Um, it's just a lot to consider and life goes on. My, you know, my, my daughter's planning to get married next summer. Um, I have a 21 year old that's still at home. And in, I guess the, in the back of my mind, I have to ask myself, if it doesn't work, are you okay with, with the, the sacrifice that it would take to do a second HSET? Right. And I don't right now, today I can say, no, not right now. And of course, if tomorrow morning I wake up and I can't walk, then, okay, it's a yes. And I'm on a plane to Moscow. Right. right. <laughs> so but I know man- it's, a, it's, but you're managing yeah. okay right now. I am. I am still able to work. I did cut down, cut down my hours last year um, and I'm able to work um, and Without that, I think I would go insane because I am a workaholic kind of person. Um, I just, I don't look forward to that day when I can't do what I do for a living. Um, and that's And so I don't want to put my mind in that place. I just have to keep thinking, okay, what's up, what am I doing today? And what am I planning for tomorrow? And, and really in hope and pray for the best. Yeah. Stay grounded in the present. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's hard to know what tomorrow will bring. Exactly. Exactly. And it and it's hard because the in our in our non-responder group, we do have people that are not holding steady. They are declining quickly. And um, we've lost members. We've we've you know, and that's it's hard when it goes just radio silent. 
it's so, devastating so and you but that's the reality of ms and that's sometimes when it's hard because when you see the the glossy pictures on your you know magazine ms magazine and everyone's running or biking or you know trekking across the himalayas they're hiking in the woods <laughs> or the stream of that tech commercial yes. i hate that commercial oh exactly and they're doing great which you know you don't want to take that away from them because not it's great all. they're doing it not at all but when you are sitting in a pile of your own urine and can't get up that's the picture of ms that does not get talked about as what as much it doesn't get shown on tv or on in magazines very much because it's so it's a place that most of us never want to go but so people in our group are living that so yeah People forget that. Well, both pre and post HSCT, right? I mean, yes, that is yes. life with MS. Yep. And yeah, yeah, illuminating the invisibilities of autoimmune disease is another goal of this podcast. So thank you for bringing that to light. Yay. Because conversations are not being had about the reality, right? Of living mm -hmm. with MS and how tough it is. And even... Post-HSCT, a lot of the conversations I have with people is that you're still left with old damage. You're, you still have MS, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think, I think, so. I mean, a lot of us do have such great um, experiences after treatment, and you know, recovery, a lot of the information's right. Yeah. So some of us are like, oh my goodness, like for me, I didn't have any bladder urgency anymore for three years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so wonderful. And you, you do wonder, you know, is it, is it just the, um, you know, the people that do come back and still have those same symptoms? Um, is it just that the, the disease has just eaten away so much of that nerve myelin sheath that there's just no coming back from that? But, you know, with, with certain other um, modalities, I know that the MS gym has been just phenomenal for so many people and trying to create new nerve pathways, you know, without that inflammation there anymore. Some people have had great results. Um, so it's wonderful. I mean, that's the thing is that we have to keep on looking at whatever works. I don't think there's just one thing. I think you're right. And it's that constant battle, right? And that mm -hmm. constant warrior mode of trying to move beyond the disease. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to, you know, to be looking at functional medicine and seeing how that can help. Um, I love the idea of looking at an angle of, of why, why is this happening in your body? What is it about your body that may not be working the same as, you know, Jen's body? Um, I love the science behind that. So I'm excited. Absolutely. So when do you begin meeting with those doctors? Well, I just actually spoke with um, Anna last week um, and we have, um, I, so I've sent her all my labs and all my information. So yeah, um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be having a phone conversation and um, she'll be letting me know about all this, um, all what her data compiles and then um, specific tests that we can do that'll give us an even clearer picture of what, what maybe I could be adding or taking away from my, um, from my diet. I need this doctor in my life. <laughs> yes. Yes, you should. Well, you said she had been on the podcast before. I don't think it's the same Anna. Oh, it might be the, um, the, the MS podcast. 
Yeah, me. Oh, yes, yes. So the, the MS, MS Gym with Brooke. Yes, MS yes. Gym. Okay, that's the piece I was missing. Yes. So Brooke no um, actually interviewed her. Yes. They did a, a three series um, segment. Yeah. And that <laughs> makes more sense now. Um, you've mentioned that it's possible a second transplant could be on the table. Are there any other tough decisions that you face right now? In terms of finding balance in life or not being too stressed about work or your present situation? Oh, yeah, there's always. So we did a bucket list trip um, with my adult kids and and, and my my husband and I, and it was wonderful to go um, because those are the kind of decisions I have to make is to say, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this next year. So I want to, I guess I'm more intentional about um, what kind of memories I want to make. And sometimes it seems a bit frantic. You know, it's almost, I'm sure my husband's head is spinning and he's like, oh my gosh, are we do- what are you doing now? What are we, <laughs> poor guy. He just, but he, he's, he rolls with the punches. He just <laughs> pretty much says, okay, okay. Um, but it's, it is making memories while I can. Mm, that's so powerful. It is. It is. I don't know um, with my with my job. And of course, I'm a sole proprietor. And so I have to have things in place that say, okay, if I if this, if I'm not able to do this in three months, what it what is my business going to look like? What can I do? And so for me, in the back of my mind, I have, you know, plan A, plan B. Um, But sometimes life just throws a big double whammy at you and you don't have time to prepare all that. And so emotionally, I feel like I, I am working towards try, like you said, trying to stay in the present and letting go of all the stuff that I really can't control because all it does is just spin me up and get me angry. And I don't want to be that person. Mm. You know, I, I, I don't want to be a bitter person that, you know, despite what I have, despite the disease that, that, that I have, it's not me. And I want the people around me and the people that I love and, and that love me to not always feel like, oh, here comes MS. Oh, and Tammy's there too, mm, <laughs> you right, know? Right. Um, and sometimes, and, and there may come a day when that's all they're going to see is just MS coming. And that does scare me and it does make me really sad sometimes. Um, but then you just got to kind of shake it off and, and say, nope, not today. It's, it's not going to happen today. Right. And that's not an easy message to continually carry, right? Because it does right. it does get lost in the disease sometimes and mm-hmm. not letting that ruminate. Um, exactly. It's a tough practice and such an important practice. It is. It is. It's just about being mindful and, and trying to control what you can control. So on the days when it feels like MS is winning, you know, I have to ask myself, you know, who are you going to be right now? And, and most of the, of the time it's, I want to be someone positive. I want to be someone that can, can move through it. You know, you move through the pain because sometimes you can't go around it and you can't avoid it. It's just on you. Um, so that's, those are the kind of things that I have to try to think about. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, inspiring practice. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I definitely didn't get that alone. <laughs> so I had wonderful teachers along the way. <laughs> and supported, it sounds like, by family. And that's so important, too. 
Yes, yes. I have I have siblings that are they're I always joke about them because I say they're a lot like the mafia. You know, they're they're <laughs> my my you know, my my family or they're just people that if you're if they're moving and you're not there to help them move, you better have a broken leg because <laughs> you're gonna be there. And that's the kind of people that they are. And so they're they are they're wonderful. They're yeah, I'm very blessed. Sounds like it. That's amazing. Um, has there been a cost to them or to others in your family as you've gone through this um, journey with HSCT? Um, I don't, um, for my, my immediate family, my, my husband and my children. Yes. Um, but for my, my mom and when, when, when my dad was still living here, um, he, you know, uh, and my siblings, there was not really, they were just really supportive, um, I do think that the worry, you know, maybe I'm discounting them. I shouldn't do that. Um, I, I'm sure that they worry uh, about me and that they, um, on certain family outings or certain things that we're doing, they have, okay, where's Tammy? Don't let Tammy lift that heavy thing because she will. Good, you know, so they have, I'm sure that they have that in their mind, um, you know, but like with my children and my husband, there is a bit of a cost. They... I mean, they're, they're moving through this with me, um, even if I try to protect them and don't let them see a lot. I think a lot of us have MS do that. Um, oh, we yeah. just don't want to have to, yeah, be a burden. Worry them. Right. That's the last thing I want to do is be a, a mm -hmm. burden on anyone. Right. Uh, except people like to help. <laughs> That's what I I've found too. <laughs> exactly. And so it's nice to be able to make the space for people to help out. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Just making that space. Because when, you know, I think as a caregiver, care, that's my personality, caregiver, doer, busy person, that takes up a lot of room. And so to kind of make that shrink just a little bit so someone else can. Right. Just find acceptance for yeah. that gift, right? That somebody's trying to offer us. Exactly. It's a practice, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Such a practice. So what could you offer as advice to anyone living with primary progressive MS based on your experience with HSCT or your journey to it and through it? I guess I would say, you know, we have people in our group that have had, or we have people that have had HSAT with primary progressive and they are doing wonderful. So I would, I guess I would say my, my story is not a cautionary tale. I am such a supporter of a, of HSCT and of, even if the odds are less than 50%, that, that to me is something to reach for. It's something to hope for. When you are told you have zero odds, you will be in a wheelchair in five years, and HSCT offers you a 60% chance of, of being successful and stopping MS, hello, I personally, I take it. I would take it. Jump at it. I did right? take it. <laughs> um, and so that's what I would say is that my story isn't one to say, well, gosh, if you have primary progressive, better not do HSCT. Right. Not at all. It's more about... Um, I guess looking at HSET is not a 100% guarantee and you have to be okay with that. You have to know that this might not work. And if it doesn't work, 
what are the options? So I guess that's what I would say. Yeah. Being, stay informed, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And with all the new research, I would, I would have to say that within the next three to four years, you know, there's going to be additional things that we can do. And if not necessarily, maybe to support HSET, maybe to, you know, to in conjunction with, but um, I just would just please say, don't give up. Yeah. Keeping the hope is so important. Mm-hmm. And that positive mindset. Thank you for sharing. Yes. That. Yeah. Don't let, don't let MS eat you alive. Don't let, don't let it take your soul. You know, it might take your body, but it doesn't have to take your soul. Right. So, so true. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. So shifting gears a little bit, could you name a superpower that you've gained in this whole experience and journey that you've been on with HSET? Oh boy. Uh, gosh. Okay. Superpowers. Hmm. <laughs> um, boy. I mean, for some reason, the image of, of the Incredible Hulk comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's only because sometimes you have to be like Bruce Banner, where you're just scientific about it and you're calm and you're just trying to, um, you know, move through. And then other times you've just got to let that rage out and just, and, and be strong. Through. Yeah. Yeah. Be strong. And yeah, power through. That's it's not easy to do. No, <laughs> it's not. And then, and then regaining that balance, right? Yes. To get back yeah. to the mindful approach. Yeah, it's like the yin and yang of just energy and life, and 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 who we are as people. Yeah, living our human experience, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's just trying to figure it out along the way. Yes. And everyone's story is different and everyone's path is different. And so, you know, you'd have people that have HSCT and, and, are, and are wonderful cheerleaders and wonderful advocates and, and just just a wealth of knowledge. And then you have others like myself and other people in our in our group that um, are on the other side of the coin and it's still a coin. Well, and it's still a contribution, right? In your own way. Yes. And yeah, and what you're sharing with the world and even in sharing your story in the podcast, it's amazing to talk with you and, and learn more from you. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And I hope that people listening will, will understand that it's, um, it's, it's not HSET is, is, is yes, it's a very, um, intense experience. Um, and, and my, and I hope that they would know that, um, that they need to do their research. They need to know like, like the whole story, um, and just make a really informed decision based on what their life is like. Mm, right. You can't go wrong being informed. Yes, exactly. So could you recommend any resources or books or even websites or blogs or people's journeys that have helped you along yours? Well, I mean, definitely there are people that blog and that YouTube, I mean, I am so not tech savvy anymore. Well, not that I really ever was, but I mean, it's even worse now because of the cog fog. You're like, oh, how to use the remote again? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but I know that there are, I mean, there are definitely people that, that chronicle their story really, really well. And so um, like Brooke Slick, of course, you know, she is a wonderful writer and wonderful um, to follow, um, dynamite. There's, 
Yes. <laughs> and so, but going on YouTube and, and I can't remember his name. Um, there's actually multiple people that are on YouTube that have, and some people are more visual like that because reading is hard and especially with MS and maybe the vision is gone. Maybe the, the cognitive um, process is gone, but you know, YouTube, just YouTube, you know, HSCT journeys or HSCT and stumbling across that, um, what I since I went to Moscow, um, um, that they have their own website of their hospital and their um, so Pirogov um, hospital in in Russia, um, they have their own website that is very informative. And um, actually, Brooke did an interview with Dr. F, and um, that itself is wonderful. To and it's a wealth of resource and information for people that are wanting very specific information. Right. So yeah, and but not to say there are there are other you know facilities, and I would just say, you know, you have to be your own advocate, and if you can't, then have find someone that will for you. Yes, right. Find someone trusted to help you do the research. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That makes sense. Good tip. Yeah. Yes. So, what are you grateful for about your experience with HSCT that maybe has gone unspoken? Boy. Um, gosh, I'm grateful. I mean, of course, I'm grateful for Dr. F. I'm grateful to have Jeff and Brooke and Johanna be a part of and, and other people. I mean, of course, you know, there's, there's so many people that I have met that I would have never met otherwise. You know, yeah, it's a new community because without when running was taken away from me um, by MS, and I felt I lost that whole community, the HSCT community, they are my running partners. They are people that are coming alongside me and helping me to go further, to not give up. And although, yeah, I wish I didn't have this disease, I don't know what I would do without them. That's so, just beautiful. Yeah. It's nice to be part of the family with you. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you're doing this podcast. I'm glad that you're at least using your you know, talents to spread the word and just to keep learning, you know, as we're going. Um, so right. you, you have a, a really big and important platform oh. for us. Well, you know, it's just such an honor really to meet people like you hear more about your stories and just your willingness to share your story and be vulnerable. It's really just a privilege to be able to share this and hopefully help inspire others along the way. I hope so too. Thank you so much. Learning You're welcome. about you and your journey and your experience and challenges that you have faced with perseverance and resilience and determination. It's just so inspiring talking with you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Truly, it is, it's just been a gift. And thank you for sharing your gift with me and with so many listeners. I know, Absolutely happy I know to be it's going to be so beneficial. I hope so. Well, like you said, when you first reached out, it was, and I think I pointed this out in my response to you, that it's tough inviting people to have these conversations. I reach out to people and they're initially interested and then maybe they change their mind. And I understand it's tough to be vulnerable, especially when you're sharing the other side of the coin like you have. And so just thank you for your bravery. Well, I, I hope that it's useful. I hope that people will, um, I hope, you know, of course, in our mind, you, you think, okay, did I say something wrong? Did I say something that was too much? Is this going to come around and, and bite all. me in the butt? <laughs> no, 
it's showing up in the present moment, right? And so yeah. right now, yeah. this is truth for you. This is your experience. You are a snowflake and it's what's happening right now that is true for you. And that's what's mm -hmm. important to know and understand and to share. And so thank you for sharing it. All right, absolutely, thank you. Oh my gosh, it's just been so great talking with you. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment, share your story. We'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well.